Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Chicago's historic Union Station is set to get a renovation for the first time in more than 30 years. Now, the aim is to reduce congestion and boost the station's accessibility and capacity. And Amtrak, the company in charge of Union Station, wants to hear from you. You can take a survey sharing your experience at the station and the upgrades that you'd like to see. So to learn a little more about the history of the nearly 100-year-old station and what the updated Union Station could be like, we've convened a panel of transit experts. Mark Walbrun is an engineer who has worked on renovations of train stations across the country, including our Union Station. Mark McGlary is the spokesperson for Amtrak, and Sarah Freistadt is a transportation reporter for the Chicago Tribune. I started off by asking Mark McGlary to give us a sense of scale for the transportation hub. On a given day, there are about 50 Amtrak trains, but there are many, many more Metra trains in the station. If you imagine a station like a shopping center, our anchor tenant is Metra. And it's great you have Mark Walbrun on the phone with us today because he was a big part of the 1991 configuration of the station. Remember, Chicago like so many other big cities, and New York is another good example of this, lost its grand concourse building, the primary space where people used to step off and step on trains. Mm. Back in the late 80s, uh, when Amtrak finally got possession of the building, we began making some steps, and in 91, we reconfigured the area that's underneath the long-ago Martian McLennan building and the long-ago Stock Exchange building, and Mark was a big part of that. But since then, we've outgrown that configuration. And the other issue we face is whenever there's any kind of service disruption, if someone's trespassing on the tracks and Metro can't do their afternoons, or if there are mechanical problems, it does not take but a few minutes, even in today's environment with fewer people working downtown five days a week, the station to become extremely congested. Mm. So we're looking to reconfigure most all of the concourse area. We have a food court on the mezzanine between the concourse and the great outdoors. What to do about that's another question because as people move through the station, they go through two banks of escalators, one up to the court mezzanine, another one to the outside. Right. And that's another thing that slows down traffic. So where should a food court be? What, yeah. could food, what kind of food should we have? Lots of possibilities uh, here when it comes to this renovation. That, I mean, this is home to several different lines, this this station, right? Metra, Amtrak, as we've talked about. Hearing Mark speak, Sarah, I mean, how do you think that this compares to the number of people who ride CTA or uh, move through the city's airports even? Yeah, you know, um, I have definitely been caught in some of that congestion Mark Magliari was, mm-hmm. was talking about, so I feel that 
but you know it's it's um certainly we're looking at about before the pandemic um by by Amtrak's own estimation about uh, almost 36 million people a year going through um, Union Station. That's Metro riders and Amtrak riders. It's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. Something that that I was really surprised to learn when I started looking into the numbers is that kind of historically speaking, um, that's actually uh, more people than than traveled through Midway um, Airport in mm. a year. Wow. Yeah. Um, I can't believe it. That obviously that's pre-pandemic. So so travel habits have changed there's a little bit a little bit less people going through union station now but it's not too far off so um, for the region i mean union station is is an important staple exactly mark walbrand what, what were your first impressions of union station the first time you saw it unfortunately i saw it when it was being torn down uh in 1969 1970 uh the grand hall was still grand uh, although it had been painted black for World War II, and no one had gotten around to unpainting it. Uh, the uh, the concourse building uh, had been removed, and what was left was a ba bare basement with concrete floors and concrete walls. Uh, it was not a very inviting place, and uh, I was very excited when we had an opportunity after Amtrak uh, got control of the building to actually renovate and replace the ticket counters, baggage claim, uh, metros facilities, uh, and, and introduced boarding lounges for customers that were warm and friendly and they could spend time waiting for their trains uh, and not have to uh, be exposed to outdoor weather, which is unfortunately the case in the mm -hmm. earlier uh, building. So uh, uh, over the years, uh, uh, Amtrak has done a wonderful job of continuing to upgrade and, and move the facility. Uh, when we completed the renovations in 1991, uh, we did an analysis that they were probably good for about 15 years at the most in terms of capacity. Okay. So we've already exceeded that time. Uh, so it's it's not surprising at all that Mark Bagliari is planning to do yet another expansion to take control. And Sarah is absolutely right. I uh, I always talked about the fact that uh, we handled more traffic in Union Station than Midway did. <laughs> Uh, but we were treated the same sometimes. Uh, interestingly, uh, Union Station, like O'Hare, is a double hub. It is a hub for both Amtrak and Metra, just like O'Hare is a hub for both American and United Airlines. What about you, Sarah? The first time you saw Union, what did you think? Uh, well, I think I was um, a little bit surprised at, at maybe the big empty train hall. It's grand, it's beautiful. Um, and uh, I wish there was a little bit more there. Um, yeah. You know, I Mark, Mark, I hate to say this, um, but I, frankly, Union Station is old. Um, it's, uh, it's almost a hundred years old. Yes, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm sure the renovation was was wonderful uh, in 1991. But rider habits have changed. Um, obviously, the the number of riders passing through has changed, and so. Um, you know, maybe it's time for a little bit of a refresh. Yeah, give us some more of that history, Mark Magliari. A hundred well, years. The station was owned by a coalition of railroads, and this is not unusual across the country. I'm talking to you from Denver Union Station today, which was another coalition of railroads who built a shared station. In fact, there were several shared stations in downtown Chicago, and ours is the most intact of all those shared stations, but even we lost the grand building that basically sat between Canal Street and the river where most people boarded their trains. Mm 
So the Pennsylvania Railroad was the primary uh, controlling railroad at our station, and they built it. And in those years, railroads built stations not only to uh, transfer customers from a business that wasn't always making money, but also a corporate statement about we are an important railroad and here's our station. Mm. And just like Penn Station, New York, which was smashed to create Madison Square Garden above it, the freight railroads, we call them freight railroads now, they were plain old railroads then, had been losing money carrying customers and paying property taxes on buildings that were not making them any money at all. So the owners of the station, just as they did in New York, decided to let's sell the air rights above this concourse building and the Marshall McLennan and Stock Exchange buildings were built above us. Both of those buildings changed names and uh, some of the uses. Yeah. And we were sentenced to this uh, concrete floor cinder block space that we have now outgrown. And it's certainly nicer than it was before Mark and his team were working on it in the late 90s. But it is too small, too congested. And since I walked through there wearing my Amtrak badge and even sometimes a tie, I can't get through there without a customer asking me which way to what. Yeah. Because it's sort of a maze. Mm -hmm. And you know, with rideshare being what it is and with the current construction going on that CDOT is doing on Canal Street, we are now a station full of scaffolding. So it is even more congested now than it was a year ago. And that scaffolding and that street project is going to last another year or two. So it's a perfect time to go to the public and say, look, we've received some funding. We want to make sure the public is aware that we've received federal funds and also contributions from Metra and the city and the county. And the RTA has been a partner with us on this. And we're going to redo this area of the station. The survey concludes at the end of this month. So you still have until the 31st. Sasha, you're going to give all the information on how to get a survey. I sure will. Uh, <laughs> the uh, We'll look at that. And then I think our intention is to take one of the uh, spaces that's available to us that's not blocked entirely by scaffolding and uh, show the public sort of what our thoughts are and have another round of at least some kind of public input before design is finalized. And we're using companies that have uh, done all sorts of great work around the country, including at, at Moynihan, the train hall that we created in the former post office right across the street from New York Penn Station. Yeah. And another company that's been hard at work on some of the projects even at O'Hare. So we have some top flight companies working with us on this, but we want to be responsive to the public and know what the public wants. I mean, if and the people say, oh, I want a disco. Well, okay, tell us that. Mm -hmm. I want a spa. Okay, tell us that. And I'm not sure we're going to come out the other end with a disco and a spa. <laughs> we are going to come out with what people have suggested. Right. Mark Walbrin, by the way, his is spelled with a K correctly with a C and uh, says Mark <laughs> Magley for doing it. No, no. We have a team of people who really know what they're doing. It's the battle of the marks. So this current renovation, Sarah, we know it's a long time coming. Absolutely. You know, uh, funding has been an issue though. Tell us why. Well, um, you know, Amtrak did just get, uh, as you mentioned, almost $94 million uh, to, to start this work. Uh, we do know a couple of years ago, uh, Amtrak applied for significantly more than that um, for, for upgrades to Union Station. They applied for a $251 million grant. So, uh, and the, um, 
projections that that I heard at the time uh, were that the project would actually be even more expensive than the grant. Mm. So definitely uh, this 94 million, um, you know, it's uh, it's still 94 million dollars, but it's um, really a very small fraction of what Amtrak was looking for. With a project like this, I imagine there are multiple players involved. Um, yeah, you know, I this this grant, of course, uh, it it was a it's a federal grant. There are um, a number of different federal programs that mm-hmm. that can go to fund this. Um, a lot of those came out of the uh, big infrastructure bill that was that was passed a couple of years ago. Um, you know, uh, Mark Magliari, who is uh, who's here with us on the phone, has told me many times that Amtrak. Um, will continue to apply for these grants until they get the money they need. Yeah. Um, I guess my my question for him is it would be how long that will take. Um, but, you know, there's options out there. Why don't we ask him? Mark, your response? Well, I'm not the one with the checkbook here. So the fact is that uh, we've been pursuing federal grants from the U.S. Department of Transportation. And thank goodness that their bipartisan infrastructure law or the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act has $66 billion with a B dollars primarily for passenger rail nationally. And those those funds come from the Federal Railroad Administration and the USDOT, and we're gonna keep after them. And some of the bigger numbers that Sarah remembers, we have issues besides just the configuration of the concourse level of the station. We have issues that we are the only remaining intercity passenger rail station left in downtown Chicago. And some of the routes we use primarily to places like uh, Carbondale and St. and uh, St. Louis and down to New Orleans and out to the East Coast. And as Mark Walburn well knows, a lot of those routes actually led to stations that either don't exist anymore or have been turned into a shell. And we need to fix some of the access to and from Union Station to take advantage of the fact that we're running 110 mile an hour trains across part of Indiana and a good chunk of Michigan, 110 mile an hour trains mm-hmm. between Chicago and St. Louis, it's great we're going 110 from Joliet or from Porter, Indiana, the other place. But if we're crawling along at 25 or 30, and if we wind up having to back up for more than a mile after going past the driveway to the station to get into the station if we're coming from the south, that needs to be fixed to take some of these travel times down and to improve reliability. So we're chasing that money too. You know, as we said, Mark Walbrin, the Grand Hall, very impressive, right? And 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 grand, uh, as is suggested in the in the title. The rest is a different story. Talk more about the challenges of the building from a rider perspective as well as the engineering perspective. Actually, there's some serious issues having to do with the way the building was configured that unfortunately were left from the original design. The building was started to be designed in 1913, even though it didn't open until 1925. Along that time, the principal architect, Daniel Burnham, which is well-known to people here in Chicago, died. And his acolytes tried to, to soldier forward, but they really didn't have the same capabilities he had. On top of that, the railroads began to squabble amongst themselves about how they wanted the building configured. And at a certain point, they decided that an office tower would be a good addition to the area uh, on the adjacent to the, the Grand Hall. Uh, they later, when that market began to collapse, they then cut the top of the building off, even though they had just spent tons of money restructuring the building underneath, which leaves for a very convoluted uh, facility in terms of structure. 
but the from a passenger standpoint the biggest problem is the great hall is essentially a block away from where the trains load mm -hmm. so people get very uncomfortable waiting that far away from where their trains are leaving uh, if you have a very long layover, it's a pleasant place to wait, and uh, it's been uh, the fact that we were able to finally get the air conditioning system up and running again uh, in the building is wonderful. Uh, they use it for events and so forth. But once you get close to train time, everyone wants to be down by the tracks. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons Amtrak insisted on, on uh, boarding areas down by the tracks were so that people could be within eyeshot of, of the boarding areas. So that still presents some issues. Yeah. And I, I've seen some of the sketches of the newer plans and what they're intending to do is try to remove a lot of the barriers between the main waiting room and the uh, uh, the train boarding area, which will, again, tend to lessen people's concerns. Mm -hmm. Well, as this process moves along, Sarah, I mean, what questions remain for you? What are you paying attention to? I think I'm definitely paying attention to the scope of the project. Um, you know, as we've discussed, there are, uh, and, and as, as Mark Magliari mentioned, there are so many things that Amtrak wants to tackle, both inside the station and outside the station with right. the tracks. It is quite the laundry list. So it, oh, yes. <laughs> so uh, a big overhaul. Um, so I think I'm keeping an eye on, you know, what um, which of those projects get money, which ones uh, are, are still TBD, and what kind of ends up ends up happening, how much of this, um, frankly, really grand overhaul of of the like central Chicago rail <laughs> system, um, how much of that is is actually going to happen? Uh, that's that's probably my biggest question. That's Sarah Freistadt, who's a transportation reporter for the Chicago Tribune. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. Thank you. We've been talking about the history of Union Station ahead of its big renovation and discussing what that revamp could look like. So what's included in the master plan? And more importantly, what's not included? Here's Mark McGlary. A lot of people were asking questions and they were the right questions to ask at the time about why were we doing all of this in the Great Hall? Why were we creating a new entrance out to uh, Clinton Street, which wasn't there before? Why are we doing all this work up there, including restoring the air conditioning the previous owners turned off around 1961, and that is to move as much of the operation as we can off the floor where the trains are, the concourse level, and up to um, areas that are out of the way so we can keep moving to clear that out. In fact, as you know, Metro is closing its ticket windows uh, uh, that are on sort of a mid-level between the, the Great Hall and the concourse level. We closed our ticket windows down there a few years ago because people don't buy tickets anymore by crumpling up dollar bills and pushing them across the counter to a person with this big stamper who stamps them. Um, right. So over time, we've taken these steps to basically clear out the concourse level. And Mark is, or Walburn is very much right. The way the station was built by the folks who originally built it, remember people who went through Chicago and always, nearly always, changed trains. There were dominant Eastern railroads and dominant Western railroads, and the, you could not ride, let's say from where I am today in Denver, to Pittsburgh, without having to change trains in places like Chicago or Memphis right. or St. Louis. So we have some legacy issues that are probably not easily corrected. And we only have really two tracks that connect the north side of the station 
and the south side of the station. And we've heard for a long time from people who talk about trains should run through from St. Louis to Milwaukee. You shouldn't have to change seats. How fixable that is, is an open question. There's only so much land between the station and the river. And in the meantime, though, we can fix the inside of the station and we can take the steps I talked about before to make the station easier to reach from more places on the compass. This effort today with the survey that's on tap until the end of the month is to look at the basically the inside of the station from when you step off the train to when you step outside and how to make that better, faster, more comfortable and more accessible than then again. Yeah. Market has did a great job in 91. You should have seen that place yeah. in the time between uh, us starting it, us taking ownership of it in the mid 80s and before the 91 renovation. Right. Uh, I can only imagine. Yeah. Well, uh, another of the uh, intended uses of the federal grant, Mark Walburn, is, is making uh, the station more ADA compliant. Right. So as someone who knows Union Station the way that you do, Talk about some of the challenges and opportunities here in making platforms more accessible. Well, the uh, the ADA actually passed the the one that that is is currently under law after the renovations were done and the earlier run. So we were cognizant that we wanted to do a number of improvements, including adding elevators and making sure that we had direct paths to platforms and so forth. So much of that work and. Uh, including the uh, washrooms, uh, were bent around at that time where the access rules. They've since gotten much more stringent about a number of things, so they, that's part of the renovation. A more difficult problem is the platforms are relatively narrow, as they were built originally. Mm -hmm. And there's been some good concepts about widening the platforms by eliminating an old service platform on either side of some of the tracks. Uh, but uh, the infrastructure that supports those tracks and the bumping posts at the end wouldn't be in alignment. So it's mm. a complex little problem to resolve, but it can be fixed. And if it is, it also allows for easy unloading of wheelchairs from trains because you need a little bit of space to push out into the platform. Mm -hmm. We technically can do it now, but it doesn't actually meet the requirements of the rules. So that's part of the uh, improvements. Also, the uh, improvements involve the mail platforms, which back in 91 were still in use. Uh, the post office was still on top of Union Station, and they still moved mail back and forth between that platform. As you know, the, the old post office has been renovated. Right. To a, different use. So uh, those platforms no longer have a, a point for, for post office use, but they could be reused for additional platform space, which mm. is good to allow the uh, the station to grow. Interesting. And I did want to second what Mark had mentioned earlier, Mark Magliari, about the uh, access to the station. That is really crucial because uh, as the lines come into Chicago, they come in facing where other stations used to be. And Little by little, they've been kind of rearranged to come into Union Station, but not under the most optimal program. Mm -hmm. And what they're looking at doing is making a direct connection to many of these lines so that the trains can get out of town much faster, which improves not only the service capability, but the passenger experience. Now, some of our listeners have been weighing in throughout the week, so I want to get to some of their comments, starting with Paula from Riverside, who's a commuter going through Union Station. And uh, her message that she left us was about how traffic could flow better on the platform. She says that when trains arrive during rush hour and there's a lot of people waiting on the platform, that there needs to be guidance. Let's listen to Paula. 
there needs to be some guidance either by floor stripes or people to say the waiting people stay in the center while the floating passengers get off closest to the trains. That way there's less blockage. She went on to say that uh, she wants to see more signs for bathrooms and water fountains. Mark Maglieri, quick comments to uh, the listeners' ideas there? Sure. Signage is always an issue and wayfinding. And we've been experimenting with various ways to improve wayfinding with the help of the RTA. And one of those things is uh, the kind of floor markings you might see at O'Hare, where you there's big arrows and big signs. But unfortunately, you can't see those when the station is very full. Like you can't see them when the hallway is very full at O'Hare. So by having more intuitive connections between people and the great outdoors, whether it's rideshare or cabs or CTA or other trains, we're hoping and we believe that that'll improve some of that. And by having platforms that are wider, uh, as Mark just mentioned, we can get rid of some of the congestion we see. And we also get better throughput. If, it, if Metro's unloading a 400-passenger train, and that could be done five minutes or three minutes or two minutes faster with wider platforms, that improves the station's ability to manage people passing through it. Mm-hmm. It actually improves our equipment utilization and, and can Metro's too, because they're not stations with stations with trains on the platform for longer than they need to be there. It takes so long to load it Yeah. Uh, another thing that the renovation is intended to fix, Mark Walbrin, is the ventilation. Explain what's going on there. Mark, I'm presuming that that's referring to the track ventilation issues with the uh, overbuild buildings? Mark Magliari? When, when they say ventilation... On the, I saw that in the in the proposal, but I wasn't sure which ventilation they were referring to. Yeah, over the years, the previous owners of the station, in an effort to try to get some better return from a business that was not making money for them, sold the air rights above the tracks. And how that how well that worked with steam trains beneath it, I have no idea. But the fact is, um, you can we can get backups of diesel fumes whether the folks are running their ventilation systems they're required to operate properly or not. So we want to uh, do more to ventilate the diesels, and we're still using diesels for most of our service, us and Metra, uh, differently to keep diesel fumes from entering the station, because that can happen, and it happens all too often to our taste and that of our customers. It was a difficult problem at at the station because it wasn't easily fixed. Once they did the overbuild, they left room for a chimney, so to speak, uh, to vent the gases, but they sometimes backed up because of thermal inversions and other strange problems. Mm-hmm. Let's hear from another caller. This was uh, Liz in Grays Lake. Here's her message. Make it easier to get bikes on and off the trains and in and out of the station. It is so frustrating trying to take the train into downtown Chicago with a bike, not just getting it on and off the train, but just getting it out of the station. Please, please make it better. Thanks. I want to hear from both of you on this. First, Mark Maglieri, your response. Well, one of the things we're looking at is another access point to the trains in the South Concourse. Right now, Metro constructed on the Madison Street side an exit that gives people two ways to leave the platforms, one through the station, one through these uh, stairs that lead out to Madison Street. Imagine if we had the same kind of thing in the South Concourse and maybe done with escalators or elevators or less of a steep walk to get 
people off and on with their bicycles, off and on the trains. Right now, with these pillars in the center of the platforms, it's very hard to negotiate. And when you look at having to go through the food concourse, if you're leaving to the primary station access points along the river, the most popular entrances are the ones on Adams and Jackson at the river, and that's a two-stage escalator. Maybe that can be fixed, too. Yeah. Mike Walburn? It is a, a difficult situation because as you uh, once you get off, particularly metro trains with a bicycle, you have to first negotiate down the platform where there are hundreds of other people that are moving along with you, then into the concourse area, try to wend your way through there. Fortunately, if you are going to the main bikeway for the city of Chicago, it actually comes down Clinton Street. So the new entrance that Amtrak has built out to Clinton would be pretty much a straight shot. So that's going to improve it. But part of it is just the better handling of people to disperse them more. Now, interestingly, New York resolved their problem in a way that would probably have your listeners complaining about another problem. What they did is they hold back people and don't allow them to board the train until 10 minutes before departure. Mm. So then they're all stuck in the building. Well, that makes it easy for people when the train is unloading because they don't have crowds on the platform trying to get on the train. Uh, Metro does that to a certain extent, but that's one of the uh, tools in the toolbox. But people also like getting in and getting settled, and so they want to get on the train when they as soon as they can move on to it so yeah it's it's uh there's no easy solution there there's uh, a lot yeah and, and even to the point of our guidance conversation earlier from listener paula we had another recent listener who said you know it would be helpful to have more staff on the platforms just simply directing passengers when there are changes to the gates and to the platforms uh, just feeling like more staff would just be a boost to the rider experience. Yeah, I think signage on the platforms would help a lot, too. Would help, too, there's, yeah. Uh, there was a, a kind of a conundrum because there's advertising signage on the platform and it blocks other types of signage. And so, again, when you're trying there's to... There's too much to look at. Two, yeah, yes, for sure. Exactly. Uh, so, Mark Maglieri, I want to make sure we have some time here as we approach the end of this conversation to talk about the survey. What kind of feedback is helpful for you folks? What will you actually be taking into consideration when you hear from from people? Because your station gets more than just Chicago, that we can get people from around the country who are listening to this on streaming and other people who are passing through the station who don't use it very often to give us their input. I mean, if you're a commuter, and I was one in the 90s and I still am one today, uh, you see it a lot. We see a lot of confused people who use the station once or twice a year or have never used the station before trying to find their way around. Wayfinding is very important. So. Yeah. The fact that we're opening this up to the whole world, not just Chicagoans, uh, to comment on it, I think is valuable to us because we're the intercity rail provider. And certainly Metro is uh, plugged into this and seeing it too. So yeah. it's it's the world is your oyster. There's a lot of, uh, in the survey, some free range uh, fields where you can put in, mm -hmm. you know, the, the disco and the spa, if that's what you're going for, uh, <laughs> or, or carpet or colored lights or you know, moving belts like we used to have towards Midway. Yeah. Um, all those things are out there. It's We want to make the station welcoming to everybody and every user, regardless yeah. of ability. And right now it's, it's room for improvement. Room for improvement. If you want to formally weigh in on improvements at Union Station, fill out the survey at chicagounionstation.com slash information. And then you're going to click on Take the Survey. That was Mark Maglieri, who's Amtrak spokesperson, and Mark Walbrun, who's a retired engineer and transportation industry expert. Thank you both so much. 
This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Linnea Dominic, and it was edited by Meha Ahmed and Brenda Ruiz. If you liked this episode of the Reset Pod, we host conversations like this every day. You can listen live from 11 to 1 p.m. each weekday at 91.5 FM. From the web, your smart speaker, or the WBEZ mobile app. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. I hope your holiday was relaxing. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.